Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. Remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our guest is Kelsey Bowler. She is a contributor to the Daily Signal and senior policy analyst with the Independent Women's Forum and Independent Women's Voice. Kelsey, thanks for joining us today. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you know you staying on top of all the important cultural issues that are going on, and especially those that affect family. And I had seen an article the other day uh, by Brenda Haffera, and she says, "Late." The title of it is "Ladies, It's Time to Help Our Boys," and she points out uh, that boys 15 to 19 commit suicide at a four times higher rate than girls. And she goes into several issues, but one of them being feminism, how that's affected the family. What kind of what I wanted to talk about today and talk about part of that is just really how the family goes is how society goes. And I know you being a young mother with two children, I'd like to get your perspective of just how important it is, especially in this day and time. For you and your husband to be on the same page and to be able to battle all those elements out there that are trying to destroy the family. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I think for so long, the feminist movement has pitted men and women against each other instead of allowing men and women to naturally complement each other and encouraging them to work together to solve challenges that families, individuals, and society faces. Uh, You know, I I think women and girls in particular have been a focus of the feminist movement uh, for the past few decades. And so we've we've got this girl boss, raw women culture. And in the midst of that, men and boys were really forgotten. And uh, culturally, these terms like in terms and ideas like white privilege have contributed to this, uh, where, you know, white men and boys are kind of being forgotten and looked over. And um, sure, some of them have privilege. Um, a lot of Americans, regardless of their skin color, uh, have have different types of privileges, uh, but also everyone has different types of, of challenges. And unfortunately, by pitting men and women against each other, girls and boys against each other, we've kind of forgotten uh, to to really take note of what's happening to our boys and our men. And uh, we've seen very rapid declines in the number of men enrolling in college and obtaining college degrees. Uh, we've seen incomes fall. Uh, and, and overall, we've, we've seen and, and heard personal stories of a laugh, lack of purpose uh, among men. And this is very problematic to society. And sadly, I, I do think it's a direct result of the feminist movement working so hard to champion women, women, which, you know, is not a, a bad thing in itself. But in, again, instead of encouraging men and women to work together cooperatively in order to achieve stability and uh, success and happiness, uh, it's in, it's encouraged women to uh, work to achieve their own form of, you know, success at the expense of men. And the result of that 
in many cases isn't good for men or women. Women might uh, have achieved some of the corporate uh, successes that they once thought they um, they didn't have access to. So that might be a good thing. But we're hearing more and more stories of women being burned out and women um, not feeling like they have the ability to devote as much time as they want to their families and uh, women dropping out of the workforce at higher rates than ever. Not always, uh, uh, not always, because they, uh, you know, because something happens to their job and job, but because they actually want to, because they realize that, you know, happiness means more than obtaining a high powered job. Um, so I, I do think it's important to have this conversation. Uh, God made men and women to naturally complement each other. And if we work together to lift both up, that is how we can have happiness in a of functional society. Yeah. And when you look at feminism and I think, you know, just listening to you talk about it, you know, it kind of reminds you the expression, you you win the battle and lose the war, right? You lose the perspective Mm -hmm. of, of what's supposed to happen. And when you think about a marriage, right, it's about sacrifice. It's about forgiveness. It's about what's for the greater good of the family. And when we have any kind of ism that focuses on one particular group and about them and them alone, that's a recipe for disaster, isn't it? Absolutely. And and we're seeing that take many shapes and forms. Uh, We're seeing the the simple question of what is a woman now has become so difficult to answer. Uh, And the result of that, you know, it it comes, I I think it comes from good intention, but it has uh, bad results because sure, we all want a tolerant society, but that doesn't mean that telling adolescents that changing their gender is going to lead them to happiness is going to address the underlying mental health issue that many of them have. Uh, the, what we need, we've, we've drifted so far as a society away from reality, away from working to, uh, working to accept and lean into our, our strengths and our the nature, the way that God created men and women differently to complement each other in this, uh, in this attempt to have perfect equality. Um, and, you know, of course we want equal opportunities for men and women. Absolutely. But we need to acknowledge that men and women are biologically different. Uh, having a five month old and a two and a half year old at home, I can tell you women's bodies are very different uh, from men. We were designed to do different things and that's going to affect our careers and our families and our day-to-day lives uh, very, very differently. I, I personally get frustrated when I see these one-size-fits-all policies coming, be, being, being handed down uh, from bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. Uh, that treat men and women and, and our bodies as if we are perfectly equal. I mean, <laughs> I'll tell you, I know uh, plenty of men right now who have had um, – access to uh, far more uh, generous paternity leave policies than me, who's the one giving birth. <laughs> and so <laughs> I think that we just, as a society, we need to go back to common sense and 
um, and embrace the way God created us and lean into uh, really these these different gifts and, and opportunities that are provided to us uh, to provide for our families in different ways. Well, right, you mentioned, you know, marriage, we're complementary, we're, it's two becoming one, not two staying as two, looking out for their own best interests and kind of survival of the fittest. But, you know, there really has been, you know, a feminization of men, too. I mean, we see, you know, pictures of men in magazines now wearing lingerie, right? They're not adhering to their responsibility of being a dad and and, and raising children, so they're not exact. We're not exactly as guys victims of circumstance. We've kind of let this happen when we should have stood up and fought for marriage and and fought for family. So, you know, it's not like they were just you know didn't know what was happening and got run over. All too many men have kind of signed on to this craziness that you're talking about, right? Whether it's uh, you know destroy the patriarchy by Black Lives Matter whether it's, you know, critical race theory, the transgender ideology, pornography. I mean, you can go on and on, right? These are things that as married couples, we need to be aware of so that we can defend and fortify our families and protect our children, right? Yeah, and I think we need to acknowledge like, this, this is problematic to say out loud anymore, but men and women both need a sense of purpose. Humans need a sense of purpose in life. And I can tell you as a mom, uh, nothing gives you a greater sense of purpose than uh, than giving birth to your own child and providing physically for that child. Uh, you know, I, I have a lot of purposes in life, but, you know, the, the, the process of pregnancy and childbirth gives you that meaningful purpose that I think humans naturally crave. And, you know, men were designed differently. Men do not get pregnant. They do not give birth. Their purpose traditionally has been to be the providers and the protectors. And I think it's really unfortunate that society has drifted away from this to the point where, again, it's, it's, it's somewhat problem pit that responsibility on men anymore because men and women are supposed to be perfectly equal as uh, so many of the uh, progressive leftists say and believe now. But the reality is uh, men and women do often, not always, often have different senses of purpose and ways uh, to to achieve that sense of purpose. And for so many men, that does mean being a provider. And so when we see statistics uh, about, you know, men's uh, high school graduation rates and uh, college graduation rates declining year after year, of, of course, that affects their ability to obtain jobs in the workforce and be providers for their families. And so when we, we see these statistics, of declining mental health among men, higher suicide rates. I mean, it all makes sense. And so I think we really do need to be a voice and and, uh, lift up men and help them achieve their sense of purpose, which for many means obtaining a, a career or a job that they find fulfilling and that they are able to provide for uh, their own families and households. Well, and, you know, to your point, when you're talking about, you know, policies coming from, you know, D.C., you know, whether it's, you know, Biden's plan for daycare, right? It's all these things about 
trying to make sure that they think they know what's best for our children when we as parents are supposed to, right? We have the parental bill of rights going around in different states that passed in Florida. Uh, and then you see the left and you see people like Jen Psaki on TV crying when they see stuff like this. Uh, when it's really parents, and it shows what can happen when parents stand up to protect their kids from all these assaults that are coming, even from going to school when you're supposed to be learning about reading, writing, and arithmetic. Absolutely. It is very concerning, <laughs> you know, personally, as a young mom watching what's happening in schools, uh, the way the gender ideology is seeping into every corner of our society, whether it's on Disney, whether it's in the schools, whether it's in, uh, you know, social groups on, on their phones, it's really unavoidable at this point. It's something that parents have to be so proactive in protecting their children against. And in fact, Independent Women's Forum has done uh, quite a bit of work on um, in this area and exploring the toll that this ideology has. And I think, of course, the media has been very dishonest in what the story is. They often cite the statistic that or, or, or this, they tell parents, if you don't affirm your child, your child will likely commit suicide. That is terrifying. And so, of course, so many parents go along with it. But what we're quickly discovering is that changing genders is, is not leading these children to fulfillment. It is simply a band-aid to cover for deeper mental and emotional issues that they face. And it's really a tragedy as a society that we are taking the approach of putting a band-aid on the problem instead of actually addressing the root, uh, the, the fracture that children are facing right now, emotionally, mentally, due to these lockdowns that, of course, exacerbated this issue. I really fear for our children right now, uh, the, the effects that social media and that this entire gender ideology movement is having on them that, that tells them as if it's a magic wand, if they switch genders, that all their problems will be solved when really they are facing an emotional and mental health crisis. And we are ignoring it by pretending that it is this that, that it is a gender ideology problem. Uh, it's, it's really a tragedy. And I hope parents see through. I hope that they wake up and, you know, address this with compassion because these children do need compassion. They are facing serious issues. Uh, and, and I really fear that the gender ideology movement, the push to tell children to switch their genders is making the problems exponentially worse. Well, because it doesn't take a rocket scientist, because if it did, I wouldn't figure it out. But to live a life, to live a lot, to say, okay, go ahead and live the lie and your life will be better makes zero sense. And that's what they're basically telling people. And everybody else needs to conform to that lie. And in the end, it just confuses, it just makes bad situation worse. And that's what we continue to see with all these uh, social constructs coming up that are trying to really ignore and change a reality to live kind of a life of moral relativism and then everybody's going to be happy when in reality it creates anarchy. And I think, you know, to your point, you're a young mom and you see 
all these things coming. I mean, I, I got my kids are probably as old as you are and I have grandkids and it just makes you nervous to think if parents don't do their job and you can't raise kids in a bubble, but you can limit access to cell phones, you can limit access to social media, right? It really is as primary teachers, our responsibility to protect our children from the wolves that are out there, isn't it? Yeah. And I just want to say, think back to when you were 13 years old and the anxieties and the social pressures and the fears that you faced. Who wouldn't want to adopt a new identity? Who wouldn't want to walk into school one day and say, I'm this new person? You know, and, and that's that's what this culture, that's what this gender ideology movement is telling kids, that you can have this new identity. And then if anybody criticizes your new identity, they're hateful, they're ignorant, they're bigoted. And this it's just perpetuating this, this state of compassion uh, of, uh, that, that has no grounding in reality and encouraging kids to think that this is a real solution when, again, their problems are likely much more serious than this, and they actually do have issues that need to be explored and addressed. I've, I've at this point, uh, spoken with a, uh, a couple detransitioners, um, biological women who lived, uh, as men for a handful of years, and uh, then and 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 for these cases, they actually took hormones. Uh, one of them uh, got a double mastectomy, and then uh, detransitioned back to their biological sex. And I asked, you know, what do you, what would you tell parents today? Uh, and and they said it, it it is that's such a hard question, but the one thing they would they would do for their own children is to um, take away all the social media. Uh, they say without that piece of it, they probably would have never gone down that path. And I think that's really important for parents to hear um, because again, with, with the COVID lockdowns, of course, exacerbated this, but children are just spending hours and hours and hours on social media reading and, and believing these lies and all this propaganda and you know that is one that is one thing parents can do to protect against it. Well, and you know we see what happens, right? We we have all this, you know, censoring of what can be said or what can't be said. Like, well, look at the outrage that's going on from the left because of Elon Musk buying Twitter and allowing people to actually say things that are contrary to what the government is trying to get people to believe. They're, they're losing their minds when in reality, right, we need people that will speak the truth. And that's a perfect reason why not to be on social media, because it is trying to influence people in a negative way for the most part. And I, you know, I, I've interviewed a detransitioner as well, Walt Heyer, and he said, you know, I just wish somebody would have told me the truth. I don't know that I would have believed them. And this was before social media when he did it. But everybody went along with this lie and no one told him the truth. And as parents, we have an obligation to not only live the truth, but to tell the truth in all these situations, no matter how difficult, don't we? Absolutely. I, you know, I thought America was founded on the idea of free speech. Never did I uh, imagine seeing a world where so many members of the press, no less, are 
outraged at the idea of free speech. Um, that's what's happening with with the Elon Musk Twitter situation right now. You know, I'm of the opinion uh, more speech is better. Uh, you know, <laughs> before social media existed, people always had crazy, infactual, uninformed opinions. You know, you just didn't hear about them, but they were still out there. Twitter just uh, allowed those those opinions to be publicly recorded. And, you know, the way you you win over bad speech is with more good speech. And I think it's a really sad state when we see um, so many members of the media fearful of the idea of free speech on a social media account. Um, So that in itself, um, you know, makes me worried for American society. But absolutely, we we need the ability to speak freely on on Twitter without um, getting kicked off or acknowledging basic facts about what men and women are. And absolutely, the detransitioners I spoke with said the same thing that you know, uh, they they understand <laughs> firsthand uh, how speaking the truth uh, can be scary because you don't want to offend people. You don't want to hurt people's feelings, but it's actually in everybody's best interest, including theirs, to speak the truth. And they told me that deep down inside, when when people did speak the truth, uh, they they knew they knew that they you know the truth when you hear it, right? And I think you're right. Right, truth resonates, and that's why to have people say whatever, right? When you hear the truth, it, it, something inside of you gets it, right? And we understand because Jesus tells us He's the way, the truth, and the life. So when we deny the truth, we're denying Jesus, we're denying Christ, and we've spent way too much time in our society trying to do that. And we kind of see where it leads us, right? We basically have anarchy going on and marriages and families are being destroyed through divorce. And then it's the children who suffer, right? That's what we're talking about. This gender ideology is focused on our children, right? There's violence, there's poverty, there's underachieving in school, there's, you know, criminal records. We see what happens when the family breaks down and we see the difference when the family doesn't and fights for what's true. And it really... Parents need to decide, am I in or am I out? And if you're out, then the kids are the ones who are going to suffer, isn't it? Absolutely. And that brings us back to where we started this segment and and Mm -hmm. talking about the role of the family and how mom and dad have different roles in a household. And that doesn't mean mom can't work. Uh, That doesn't mean dad can't uh, at times take the lead with with childbearing. Uh, You know, my, my husband, I'll tell you, in my household, does more cleaning than I do. <laughs> um, that that doesn't mean we all need to follow these um, traditional stereotypical uh, gender roles, but it does mean we we need to acknowledge truth and reality. And for many families, the truth and reality of the situation means the woman is the one going to be pregnant and giving birth and and using her body to give life to this child. And of course that has um, 
of, of course that has an impact on her ability to work and contribute to the household. And I think not every woman, but if a lot of women are honest with ourselves, moms in particular, the truth of the matter is our careers are not the most important things in our life. It's our children. It's raising these little children that we gave life to. And that means uh, for many of us adjusting our career so that we can make our families a priority. And again, not all men and women feel this way, but I I, I can tell you from my own experience and in my own life, um, and then we also see it in the polls, uh, that men and women want different things when it comes to their careers. Uh, Women value flexibility and and, and that that gives them the ability to uh, be present for uh, more time at home. We see men taking, actually take up more, uh, they work longer hours uh, than women often. And this is something that we as a society should should embrace. And this is why so many policies coming down from Washington, D.C. are problematic because uh, they try to push this one-size-fits-all workforce uh, where, uh, you know, men and women have to be uh, making the same exact amount of money when when really a lot of women maybe at times don't deserve to be making the same amount of money because they chose for a period, a stage of their life to take a step back from work uh, to, you know, take a pay cut in order to lean into uh, their home life and spend more time with their children. That should be something that we are applauding women for if they choose to do that um, and, and applauding men for as well, because a lot of men step up to be the providers so that the, their wives can prioritize being a mom for, for stages of her life. So uh, the, the roles of, of men and women, you know, change during different years, different phases of life, of life. But it's something that we should embrace how men and women complement each other and not pit them against, not pit men and women against each other to compete with one another because society functions best when men and women are working together, not against one another. I can't agree with you more and rowing in the same direction is critical. I can't believe we're towards the end. How can people follow what you're doing, Kelsey? I am a senior policy analyst over at Independent Women's Forum. You can find my work at IWF.org. I'm a contributor to the Daily Signal, uh, regularly pu- published over there. And you can also follow me on Twitter at Kelsey Bowler. If you like the content of these shows that we produce on a weekly basis, please prayerfully consider supporting us. Go to ccdenver.org, click on the donate button, and then click on Respect Life Denver to support this programming. Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.